Hello, I'm Rachel Sandbrooks. I'm a writer and comedian, and this is the Stand By Your Nan podcast. I've been a wild rover for many a year, and I spent all my money on whiskey and beer. This week, the episode is entitled Nan of Steel, The Origin Story. And I'll be talking about the early life of my nan as an ordinary woman at the beginning of last century and introducing my guest for this episode, Sarah Keyworth, an award-winning comedian with her own BBC Radio 4 series, Are You a Boy or a Girl? How exciting to have her on. And her grand story shows an absolute nan of steel. So expect stories, an interview, nostalgia and questions such as What was the history of my super gran? Anecdote! Eve was my maternal grandmother and her life tells one story of the whole of the 20th century. She was born in 1911 and she died in 2009. But given her views on life after death, she might still be floating around here, you never know, just offering a fairy cake out of an ethereal quality street tin. Here you go, love. I'm amazed when we hear tales of women from the early 20th century surviving so much oppression. Like when my nan was born, she wouldn't have been able to vote until she was in her 30s and certainly not get much education. She became a stealth artist, painting in the back room whilst being a housewife in the kitchen. My nan's earliest memory was during 1914 in Birmingham, whilst my great-grandfather George was fighting abroad in the Great War, or World War I as we know it. My great-grandmother Nellie was home alone, a single parent with four children, and just the king's shilling to live on, which was a lot less than universal credit. Little Eve, at the age of three, is wandering the streets with Eric, her big brother, who was five struggling with a wheelbarrow between them and not quite knowing what they're supposed to be doing because their mother Nellie had shoved them out the door and told them, don't come back till you found some coal. I can just imagine my little nan. Where are we going, Eric? I don't know. Their mother Nellie could only afford to heat or eat and so she sent the littlest ones out to steal the heat. Which means my nan's earliest memory is of being a three-year-old thief. She was a rebel from the start, but she wasn't the only one. I imagine great gangs of toddlers were roaming the streets like baby Peaky Blinders going, Gimme coal or I'll cut ya. Yeah, they weren't very rich, but they weren't that poor either. They were quite posh really. They had their own outside loo. My granddad lived in the back-to-backs and they only had one loo to the entire street. My first memories of my nan are of her telling me these stories. She'd say, go and get some coal, she said. I don't know where she expected us to find it. Neighbour's coal hole? Eve was a rebel as a child. She loved to climb trees, scale walls, jump off small buildings like an amateur parkour. At the age of eight, probably pretending to be in the circus, she climbed up a tree and fell off onto railings. Thinking she'd get told off, she went straight to her bedroom and her mother Nellie only found out later when she discovered Eve covered in blood. I mean, it was a time before the NHS, so they had to call the doctor out, who left her to it, but said she'd never have children. 
She was then left to survive or not in her bedroom, delirious and hallucinating. But she survived. I know all about survival. I was a child of the 70s and 80s. And if you were around in that decade, you are lucky to be alive. I nearly died three times before I was eight years old. My kids are teenagers. They haven't nearly died once, the snowflakes. The best test for how old you are is to ask the question, how many people can you get in a car? Ask a millennial how many kids you can get in a car. Five or six tops. No, mate, you can get 20 teenagers in the boot, five grands on the back seat holding babies, dad's driving with his elbows on the steering wheel, drinking a pint in one hand, cigarette in the other, smashing into a tree. And that's just the school run. If you survived, it was a miracle. My nan had a bottle of R. White's lemonade under the sink that was filled with bleach. No child lock. One, why decant bleach? It's not port. It doesn't need to breathe. And two, if you drank that, it was your fault. It was like the Hunger Games, except for worse, because at least Katniss had a bow and arrow. I'm not impressed. All I had to fend off murderers and 80s TV presenters was a bunty annual and a packet of pickled onion monster munch. Hunger Games? Blimey, Katniss. Try eating spam. You'll never be hungry again. The Interview. So thank you very much for coming, Sarah. It's really nice uh, to have you on the Stand By Your Nan podcast. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. And um, if you could just, uh, we ask everyone as we get started, like what is a Nan story you can recall or just tell me about your grandmothers? So um, so I, I, the, the grandmother of mine that I knew most was my mum's mum. Uh, her name was Ursula Leonard. Uh, and she, she, my, so she passed away when I was about 14, I think. And so my memories of her are all from my childhood. Um, and she was just the, the, I mean, I'm sure you get most people coming on here and they're talking about their nans. They'll say that she's, she was like the most wonderful woman in the world. Mine was though, <laughs> like, I don't mind. Anybody else could say that. Anyone else could claim that mine was the best right she was amazing she was so she was so kind and fun and warm and silly uh, and she had all this sort of bizarre quirks and habits she was she was diabetic and like she'd at one point I found she had a larder and I found a heart like a square of Kit Kat in her larder wrapped in tinfoil and I asked her what she was doing with it and she said oh, I'm saving it for a rainy day and I just think that sort of sums her up. She's just she's an odd little lady, but really sweet. And she loved games. She liked playing games. Her favourite game was Triominoes. Oh, yeah. Which is like dominoes, but with triangles. <laughs> so, which is like, it's like take, take granny and really go for it. Like granny times 100, isn't it? <laughs> um, it was great. Yeah, she was very, very good. And I was a child, so I was rubbish at it, but she always let me win, which I think is a sign of a good granny, isn't it? <laughs> She was amazing. She was a wonderful lady. I she had the, the best name. house. Yeah. What was that so house like? It was just full of really sort of fascinating 
little old objects like tiny little pot objects that I don't know whether anybody whether someone she knew had made them or whether just like I think she had one that was like a sloth a tiny little sloth and then she'd have like ornamental Christmas pudding all year round (laughs) and and I'm trying to think what else a little wooden old man fascinating like a like like a weird museum playground and some of the some of the items from the house sort of recur in my life now like my brother might have some or um like my mom might have some things knocking about and I'll look at it and go that is that is honestly quite weird <laughs> that was that was pride of place in my grandmother's house for some reason it really sounds like my nan she had the same thing she had a kind of a glass cabinet that had li- really weird little ornaments in them mm. that you would never touch and they just they were literally there for 50 years and nobody ever opened that cabinet because it was too good to you know it had the nice stuff in it so you couldn't actually but, do anything with it <laughs> but I've never I, I don't know how where they came from like I can't imagine a scenario in which you would receive or purchase something like that it's just, I, I, it feels like at some point you become a nan and you're handed a box of bizarre objects. <laughs> and your challenge as a nan is to to just sort of scatter them around the house and hope nobody questions it. Very strange. That. Yeah. To, uh, mine used to have like a tiny little, tiny little dog in a basket. And like you, I don't know where it came from. No. But it must have been really old because it had like real fur on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would want that? Who would want that there? But it was also really cute. It's like a few bits and pieces like that. My um, this was a, something my grandfather bought. For, he 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 had to do a trip away in America at some point when my mum was a child. My grandfather died when my I think it was I think it was when my my mum was fourteen. So this was a long time ago, and. So at some point, my mum found that he'd bought her like an original Barbie doll. Oh wow! And she's still got it in a in a weird little. Uh, it is a box. I want to say coffin. Because <laughs> that was it. What it looked like looks like, and that's just sort of the kind of thing that was sort of pulled out of my grandmother's house. Just very very strange objects. Yeah, and then what do you do with them? That's the other thing. It's a bit like... What do you do with them? That's in a drawer in our kitchen because every so often my dad gets it out and goes, oh, look at this. And then we all go, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. And then he pops it back in the drawer for the next time. (laughs) That's what you do with it. It's in the kitchen at my parents' house. You got it's like it's in that, you know, that sort of nonsense drawer in the kitchen that's got like elastic bands and batteries. My parents' house also has an original Barbie doll. (laughs) For no reason. <laughs> Very odd. Very odd. I in my uh, in my nan's larder, she used to bring out a can that had no label on it that was rations from World War One. No That's way. like yeah, because it was her dad had mm. gone uh, into World War One, and um, she was always like, "Oh, we could open that. It'd be all right because it's in a tin." <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, we but we don't did. have to. The, the, <laughs> the best part about this being post Second World War is that we don't have to open that can of rations. <laughs> I really wanted to though, and I never know where. Yeah. Right, I never knew where it. Went. You don't even know what type of food it was. Yeah, have no idea. Mm. Probably stew was the. <laughs> yeah, I was going to guess like spam or something like that. Yeah, I think spam it might probably been... wasn't all right. <laughs> 
It would have been a brilliant kind of box opening thing. Mm. Unboxing. Yeah, yeah. If the if YouTube had been around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so that was your one land called Ursula as well. What a brilliant Ursula name. Leonard, yeah, German. She um she fled Germany. I, I think she was I've said the age 14 three times already. Yeah. I think my grandmother died when I was 14. My grandfather died when my mum was 14, and I'm fairly confident when my grandmother was 14, she left Germany because it was just pre-World War II. And wow. my grandmother was German-Jewish. And yeah. obviously all of the anti-Semitism stuff was ramping up. And um, I, th- I th- so the weird thing about this, when, I was at, when, I, when you asked me to come and do this, I thought, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd, lo- I'd love to talk about my grandmother. And then I remembered something that happened this Christmas. I managed to get home to my family this Christmas. And we were oh. sat around the table and I <laughs> somebody said something. And I had this, this moment where I learned, I must have had this piece of information in my head maybe at some point, but I learned properly that not only was my grandmother German, but so was my grandfather. <laughs> And I hadn't, I didn't know. And, <laughs> and everybody, like my brother, who he's an archaeologist, he's big into history, he's very, very interested in, in family history. I'm interested too, but I am a airhead. Um, yeah. And he was like, I actually can't believe you didn't know that. That's quite embarrassing. Um, and it, my mum sort of jumped to my defence and said, well, actually, no, to be fair, like, granny didn't talk about anything that happened. Yeah. So she left Germany pre-war. I think one of the one of the few stories that I was told was that she went into school, and they were in a, an assembly, and they asked all of the Jewish children to stand up and told them to go home. Oh my god! And it was around, I think, shortly after that, my grandmother and her sister, her younger sister Anami, were sent to the UK to Cambridge. And they were separated. So they both went and lived with different families. Uh, yeah, so that's Ursula Leonard. God, that's incredible. I think her maiden name was Lisa. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so did... so I'm, I'm embarrassingly ignorant about my, that family history, but partially because very, very self, self-involved stand-up comedian... <laughs> just float around thinking about butterflies and making jokes about my family. Um, and uh, partly because it wasn't talked about very much. So, yeah. um, but I probably should have asked. To be fair, I, I was, as I say, I was 14. Can't, exp- can't stress that enough. So was it a very self-indulgent time in my life? Um, but yeah, it's a shame that I, I didn't get to ask more questions. It's something that I'd love to learn more about in terms of my grandmother's life and what she went through. But in terms of nouns of steel, yeah, good old Nana Steel over here. Blimey! So she was fourteen. Did mm. she meet up with her sister again? Yes, yeah, yeah. They found each other again. Yeah, I don't know how many years it was, but I think that they were. I think they kept in contact whilst they were living with separate families. But oh. they, but they, yeah, they stayed. In, they stayed in contact and. Her sister is still alive and we are still in touch with that side of the family and everything like that. She's nine, she's 90, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, she'd be 90. That's incredible. 
Well, after this, you'll have to pick up the phone and go and speak to me. Yeah, I mean, you should, you should. Yeah, I don't, and for... I don't judge at all because I literally, this show's taken me about 20 years to actually do. Mm. I always wanted to do something about nans, but yeah, being exactly what you said. Yeah, about... I am, um, because I was talking to somebody about this the other day because um, it sort of gets more, more fascinating and it's something that I'd quite like to maybe just do, do a bit more on. And I've actually got a message on my phone from my mom from Monday of this week because uh, we are, on that side of the family, we're, we're related to a famous German painter. Oh, wow. And, um, and which is, yeah, it's very fascinating and interesting. His name's Max Lieberman. Um, oh, and I... Yeah, he's and and I was talking to someone and I was saying, but honestly, I don't, I couldn't really tell you that much more. <laughs> and she was saying, this is absurd that like anyone else I know who finds out that they're related to somebody famous would find out as much information as possible. But you, your family collectively found out that you were related to a famous German painter and you specifically were like, yeah, no further questions. <laughs> I don't I don't, and I've had to message my I messaged my mum on Monday after that conversation saying, also, can you please remind me once again how I am related to Max Lieberman? And my mum replied saying, I think Max was your great grandmother's uncle. So, wow, great grandmother's uncle. So I don't know how that, what that is. But, you are um, related, but it is quite far back. It's far <laughs> back. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I have I've got that written down now, so I can't forget it again. <laughs> Amazing. How do you think um, your grandmother met your grandfather? Like, if they were both German, did they meet in England? They met in England, yes, uh, which is what I learned this Christmas. <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing. And, um, and I feel like I was told how they met. Oh, Christ, this feels like a quiz. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just fascinated. I, they met. How did they meet? Well, my grandfather was a professor and my grandmother do you know what I've got absolutely I haven't got the foggiest no, of clues um, but which is bad but I'll find out and <laughs> we'll do another episode and I'll fill in the blanks uh, but yeah they, they met in England in Cambridge so my oh. mum was born in Cambridge and then moved to Nottingham which is where they are now and oh his... no no I tell a lie do I tell a lie? No, no, no. My mum was born in Cambridge and then the whole family moved to Nottingham. Was that That's, for... Re- was I'm that- sticking with that. That's my final answer. <laughs> was that because uh, of your grandfather being a professor or something? Or was it... That he that they moved to Nottingham? Yeah, I think it, it was for his work. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's Do you know go. what? Do you know what? Even if anybody fact checks this, you know, it's not, it's not going to be... who's. Nobody's going to tell me. I'm just going to answer with confidence now. I'm going to rewrite history, tell you what I think happened, and then we could do a little, a little uh, document of my mum's amendments at the end. Yeah, the um, I have to say at this point it's slightly family affair because uh, the co-producer is your cousin, and he's just messaged yes. me saying that his dad said that your nan was a counsellor yes um (laughs) so my grandmother and I found this out recently 
I think she was a couples counsellor. But the way that I was, the way I, because I, I had it in my head, honestly, absolutely useless. I thought she was a nurse, which I think she was, she worked sort of as a nurse. She was a couples counsellor. But basically I was, I, I met up with a, a cousin on, because Stephen uh, is is uh, my cousin on my dad's side. So it's separate, separate family. Yeah. But it's interesting that he has information too from his dad about my grandmother. Um but I, I met up with a cousin on my mum's side. I hadn't seen her in like 10 years. We hadn't seen each other since our grandmother passed away. And where she's she's a bit older than me. So I think she maybe had a bit more information about our grandmother as well. And and also probably like even like a molecule of being slightly more engaged would have helped anybody out. Uh, but she said, oh, you know, I, I, now I think about it. It's, it's so cool that our grandmother was a sex therapist. And that's how I found out about that. I had absolutely no idea. And it's it's not a piece, it's not a sentence anybody should really have to hear in their life, I don't think. Because most people don't acknowledge the fact that their grandmothers knew about sex. Whereas yeah. I had I have to sort of I have to wrestle with the fact that potentially mine mine was something of an expert. <laughs> My grandmother was a sex therapist. Yeah. Is the title of your next show. <laughs> My next show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that I can understand that. I think that's part of the part of the reason why I started um, doing this was because uh, just that thing that we have, like almost like a cut off. It's like mm. once you've got to grandmother stage, like whatever your idea of what a grandmother is, it's such a role that is kind yeah. of stereotyped that those things are not allowed to come into play. Like you have to be short have white curly hair or something and never ever admit you've to nailed ever it having I've, got, I've actually got a picture of my grandmother in my room oh, and you honestly I mean this is not great podcast content but <laughs> I'll do the audio description a picture oh yeah oh, I mean you've already done the audio description yeah a short short, <laughs> short woman with uh quite curly wavy white hair yeah glasses Glasses, nice, nice knitted jumper, check shirt. Check shirt. Very stylish, actually. Yeah. Quite hipster-esque. <laughs> she did a good job. Um, but yeah, and I think it's interesting because I was the youngest of my cousins um, on that side of the family. And so we all have different different memories but mine are all very sort of young memories of my of my grandmother sort of be treating me like a child because I was a child whereas my cousin Simon has memories of and I think he might be sort of five years older than me he told he told me recently that he used to watch Sex in the City with my grandmother <laughs> <laughs> which just completely blows my mind because the the woman I knew had never heard of Sex in the City but the woman, the woman that he knew, thought she was a Samantha. So it's completely yeah. fascinating. She must have had a lot to say about that as well, being a sex yeah. therapist. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, it's genuinely fascinating. I feel, yeah, it's a shame. I feel like I missed out on it on a side of her that that, that other people got to see. Because um, when as far as our conversations never went further than hummus, really, she was big into hummus. Did she do any baking with you or any classic nan things like that? Yeah, we did a lot of baking. All of my my mum's gone into baking now, um, but most of my sort of 
reference points of baking and memories of baking, baking with my grandmother. And I was one of those horrible children that would just just be trying to shove their fists in the bowl throughout <laughs> the entire process, just itching to like lick a spoon the whole time. Uh, but she was very patient with me. And all just, I mean, she, she, in terms of food and things like that, she had interesting um, pronunciations of things like, I don't know whether it's the slight German side because she didn't have a German accent and she never spoke in German at all. I never heard her talk in German at any point. And apparently, according to my mum, and this happens with a lot of um, refugees, is if they move over and they'll stop speaking the language, they just acclimatise. And and she for a long time, I think she thought in German but talked in English. And I never, but then occasionally she'd say things like she called pizza pizza. Um, so me yeah. and my brother always called pizza pizza now and uh and um tofu for tofu though actually i think that's quite a common that's a little bit of a tomato tomato situation mm. with tofu uh but she was vegetarian and so a lot of the old um vegetarian classics tofu and chickpeas and hummus remind me of her was she always vegetarian do you think that's fairly unusual isn't it I know my nan was really into yeah. health food but she... um I think she, I don't know if she always was the the as long as I were around she was vegetarian and I think she was allergic to seafood so that might have been a part of it um mm. but yeah always a vegetarian little vegetarian granny sounds she sounds absolutely lovely as a granny she was great Yes, classic. Yeah, but with with this entirely secret side that I never saw. Um, it's interesting talking about uh, how she became. She was a refugee and she moved to a whole new country when she was fourteen. But and that must have been uh, just incredibly hard. But I was yeah. um, also trying to consider like being a young woman today is just incredibly hard as well but in a very different way but you can get completely like with all the online abuse that goes on and things I just wondered sometimes we kind of think about uh young people and old people as very different and I'm I'm kind of wondering well what can we learn from from that apart from the fact that it does seem to me that people don't talk about it mm. <laughs> so sometimes it's quite hard to try and draw parallels or connections I, I mean it seems like if you think about my grandmother's generation versus what's going on today it seems like completely different worlds it feels like completely different worlds from when I was a teenager in terms of the way that like that the technology has changed things I, f I feel old looking at stuff going on on, on the internet now like um being 27 years old uh like S Stephen and I have a well she's not our cousin she's our cousin's child um who is I think 18 maybe and I, I look at her on social media and I think that's it's mad I can't even I can't sort of comprehend the the attention and 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 I think even when when she was young when she was sort of 13 14 there was all that she had quite a big social media following I was like I can't imagine being in touch with that many people having that many people knowing who I am and seeing who I am at 13 14 years old I think I th honestly I think I think my grandma mother would be completely baffled by the entire I don't think she'd 
I think she, yeah, when she was that age, she came over from Germany and wanted to blend in. So I can't imagine her wanting, like, oh, wow. really understanding this sort of desire to um, have everybody looking at you. Um, I can obviously understand that a bit. <laughs> Big into, I love a bit of attention. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's that it's the difference between controlled attention and um, and sort of voyeuristic attention that's quite nerve-wracking about social media i nearly brought up the Meghan markle interview just then but there's a clip of hers that um well she made a really interesting point and i don't know if it was in the actual broadcast version of the interview but she was saying in terms of her her interest in privacy was that like oh if you were at work and you had a picture of your child on your desk and somebody came over and said um oh, that's a lovely picture. Is that your child? And you went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my kid. And they went, oh, great. Well, now you've shown me that one. Can I have your phone? And can I see every picture in your camera roll? And she was likening the way that they're treated to that behaviour because it's like she put, she agrees to have one picture out in the world and then everyone goes, oh, why, if you put that out, why do you want privacy? Why? And it's, I think it's that, um, that scary thing about social media is that it's never enough. Yeah, People want more and more and more and more. And I think that is that's very tricky, for, especially for for women uh, who. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's changed at all. In, in it, I think it's changed in in the nature of the way women are talked to. The language has changed, but the sort of general core premise of of attitudes towards women, I don't think has a has evolved as much as we kind of think it is. That obviously there's been a lot of horrible stuff in the news this week, and I was talking to my mum about it about uh, there's been loads of conversations about the the fear you feel as a woman being out late at night mm. and my mom said to me on the phone she said I remember you know 50 years ago mm. in Nottingham running she said I remember running as fast as I could from the bus stop to my parents house because I was afraid of being out on my own and she would she would run as quickly as she could and she was saying, she said, she was, I said that she was always jealous of her best friend Sally because her best friend Sally's dad would come and meet her yeah. at the bus stop. And that was 50 years ago and nothing's changed. And it was really, it was a really poignant thing actually because I, when I was sort of that age, my mum used to send my dad to meet me at the bus stop when I was 17, yeah. 18. My mum was sending my dad down and I'd get so annoyed. I'd be so frustrated because I go, nobody else's dad comes down. It's embarrassing. Like I can walk from, uh, it would be less than five minutes, maybe a three minute walk. I can walk up our road. And then she said that to me on the phone and I was thinking about it. And I was just thinking she, all she was doing was, was doing for me what she would have liked yeah. to have had when she was my age. She was just providing me with that safety and that comfort that she didn't have and remembering how it felt and I was so ungrateful about it but um I don't know if I've answered your question I've sort of just <laughs> but like in in some ways I'd it's it's I think recently it's kind of on everyone's minds that it's slightly um you kind of despair a little bit that you're like has anything has anything changed has it changed that much that's a bleak thing to reflect upon isn't it I think this is the problem though isn't it is that it doesn't really change unless we unless we talk mm. about it I mean that's kind of my mission statement or whatever but I like I do think it's really important that we talk about it and that we make connections 
across generations and that we say actually Mm. you know the reason why a lot of older women sometimes shut down about oh um don't you know things like sexual harassment and things and they say oh don't make a fuss well it's because it happened to them and they had to Mm. shut up about it that's why yeah so every time you get somebody doing that or shutting down about certain um topics it's often that it's like nobody wants to age as a as a woman why don't you want to age because um what does that do oh it makes you invisible but in whose eyes are you invisible yeah what's that actually saying it's yeah I think it's a really interesting I do think it's really interesting area and that's the thing it hasn't changed why hasn't it changed after all this time and why should it be a uh yeah like a survival we're talking about survival but actually for some people it's um yeah just walking from the bus stop home how should Mm. that be I mean Um, I in the most bizarre, if this, this is going to sound like something I've made up, but in the most bizarre it, it was when my when my just when my grandmother was in her eighties, uh, somebody came and knocked on the door saying they were selling something, and she went off to get a bit of money, and they snatched the money out of her hand and scared her a little bit, and and then after that, I think I don't know whether my uncle or a friend of hers or some, somebody bought her a, a little panic alarm it's a little egg shaped yeah. thing and you just pull a key out of it and it makes this massive sound and then when she she passed away I found it and I, I put it on my key ring and I was walking around with it and somebody said to me at some point oh where'd you get that and I said oh it's my grandmother's and they said sorry did you inherit a rape alarm <laughs> for your... and I was like well yeah I suppose I did and that's I suppose that just sums up everything that we've been saying is that, yeah, like she needed it at 80, I needed it at 17. And yeah, it's not it's not the best thing she left me, but useful. More, more useful than the little man. <laughs> yeah, more useful than the creepy wooden man, for sure. <laughs> He's spooking me out. Yeah, I think um I think there is definitely power in numbers, isn't there? And um, mm. maybe it's uh time to kind of think about supporting people through that I mean that is the bit sad I think it's it's sad for you sort of said oh you know it's nice to make connections between generations because that can get lost and for me to go oh yeah I've got a connection we're all (laughs) scared (laughs) we're all (laughs) terrified um, yeah it is uh it is a bit of that but uh yeah I think we just have to keep as I say keep talking about it maybe Mm. Um, I haven't actually got a solution for that at all. No, no, me neither. Yeah. I mean, I like doing stand-up, but I used to find it quite hard because you go in the, if you're going to travel anywhere outside of your um, immediate mm. vicinity, you have got to put yourself at risk of being somewhere at two o'clock in the morning, yeah. trying to find a way home if you haven't driven there. And even driving there, just going to your car at that time of night. Yeah, really yeah. Hard, isn't it? And, and you're being outspoken, which is, you know, putting yourself at risk as well. You're on stage and you're yeah. drawing attention to yourself. And you're saying things that might be slightly controversial or even just um, titillating, I suppose. <laughs> and then uh, and then you're walking back to your car or whatever and I don't know you're you are you're drawing attention to yourself which is completely like what what we should be able to do that's the job but it um yeah it does seem there are moments where it's quite scary I think there's an amazing com- comedian called um 
Angela Barnes who set up this scheme a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. Um, and it, it essentially it's just like a fund um, and female identifying comedians can access it and uh, they basically can pay for a taxi home stuff if they're feeling uncomfortable, which is like really, really good. It's very special. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to use it when we get out. When we're allowed out. Yeah. <laughs> out and about. Out of our yeah. prisons. I was wondering, like, if you thought there was a way of kind of redefining grandmothers, like, I don't know, part of me wants to keep the grandmother kind of like a like a stereotype of mm. this kind of lovely, kindly woman who bakes cakes and doesn't put you in an oven like a witch. Um, that uh, if you if you were thinking of redefining it, or do you think that it's worth looking at that as an I? Oh, do you think it's worth uh, redefining the older woman a bit in today's age? I don't know what I'm saying there. Mm. Asking a question. I guess that it's, it's that sort. That's kind of part of of what you were saying a moment ago, isn't it? That like that is. Th- th- there is there's not really a character description that is can be more um desexualized and almost like dehumanized in the sense that like this grandmother as a stereotype is this sort of very servile um very lovely and sweet but like exists to to help with the children and and bake and read stories and i suppose yeah it is just even I've, I mean, even I've done it there in my sort of shock that my grandmother was a sex therapist or that she watched Sex in the City and things like that. And it's like maybe, um, maybe give a bit more credit. I think there's a there's an amazing um, comedy show, Motherland. I'm sure you've seen Motherland. Yeah. But the the character of the grandmother in that is amazing because she's just straight up refusing to look after the children throughout the entire series and hiding from her daughter the first episode I think she's she's come back from a cruise but she she was meant to go she or she was she'd said she was she's coming back the next day or the next week or something and her daughter works out that she's back and she's hiding in her house pretending she's not in because she doesn't want to babysit um and I just yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of an amazing portrayal of a grandmother who's like, no, I'm living my life. I'm I'm going out with my friends. I don't I don't, I don't want to just be a childminder from now on, just because you've had a child. Um, yeah, my mom's that kind of grandmother. She just uh, mm. she just disappears to Spain when it comes to Christmas. Yeah, fair play. It's just like, I'm going for the buffet, and I don't want to see yeah. it Easter. don't call me yeah I respect it that's what I think yeah I think we should redefine grandmothers as a as like um as like bachelors yeah they're the new bachelors the new bachelors they're going out with their mates they're drinking what they want they're they're free they're uh old free and single yes I think I think that's probably a really good one um Mm. and what I always ask at the end of these things so I have to say I really want to find out more about Max Lieberman and your and your German grandmother tell you what Rachel so do I (laughs) I'm gonna be googling it afterwards if you do can you just send me a little crib sheet (laughs) 
embarrassing. I am gonna. I, I have to stress. I am going to find out more. This is my. This is my challenge for my next project. I don't. I really don't blame you though, because I set up this project thinking at some point I really want to do a thing about my nan because she was really interesting. She's like, um, she was really into spiritualism and weird shit. Mm. And she'd just go off and do all these things that she did. Um, quite late on in life as well she she did loads of painting and stuff but um but she was never really allowed to be that person so I was always interested in that like duality of how do you live Mm. as a as a like a housewife an ordinary person who doesn't really exist and then carry on your life but then as I went to do it I realized I couldn't remember half of (laughs) the things she'd said to me and I couldn't get stories out of anyone and I was like it's really bad yeah write more down I uh, my mom no my grandmother at some point when I when I was studying history at school gave me a photocopy of her identity card her Jewish identity card wow and I I'm sure somebody has it somewhere but I have no idea where that copy is somebody will have the original document but I I don't know where it is and I'm like what is what the hell is wrong with me I mean, I would have been like 12. So I'm like, the, the thing that was wrong with you at the time was that you were an idiot. But like, I'm like, that's so fascinating and interesting. But at the time I was like, can we just get through history? Because I'm ready for lunch. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, just I wish that can... I'd been a bit more engaged. Well, you can forgive yourself. You were 12 at the time. And, yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the case. As we do kind of load our... Um, those are teens with all this like oh you've got your whole life ahead of you and it's mm-hmm. all going to be amazing and here's all this really interesting stuff and the person themselves is just going no, can't be bothered can can't I? I'll be bo- <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about that the other day I obviously children hate going to school and then I thought about the the actual premise of school which is that somebody you get up you go in and then you just go from room to room as somebody teaches you something fascinating. You stop, have a bit of lunch, and then you do a bit more. And then you're home by like half three, four. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? I want just to go back. I want to go back and study, but I don't want to go, I don't want to go to university. I, I want to go to secondary school. <laughs> just teach me everything I don't want to yeah yeah I have to do anything I want to learn Mm. yeah it's great you just have to get a just do all the YouTube tutorials you can in a day for um but I'm I'm too lazy I'm not engaged enough yeah I need I need a schedule I need a bell to ring (laughs) I need someone to tell me to stop talking and put my phone away that'd be brilliant if you could hire someone to do that I mean it's completely off topic it would be great that's what you should rebrand grandmothers as strange personal trainers for life personal trainers for life that's brilliant we should just make them all that so um my my question is what do you want to be when you grow up and become an old lady or old gentleman or elder somebody said elders is a better way of putting it but I was thinking I don't want to be an old lady so no um I will. I, I just. I just can't wait to be really fucking weird. <laughs> you know when a grand occasionally you get a grandparent or like an older person who is just bizarre, but everyone's like, "Don't worry about it. They're old." 
yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm really excited for yeah i might learn magic or something oh that'd be excellent be one of those one of those grandparents that learns magic just to i want to basically i want to be a magician (laughs) an elderly magician if you start now by the time you're really elderly you'll be brilliant Mm. at it that'd be so good yeah the, the rate that i learn um I need to go back to secondary school to learn magic for my <laughs> grandchildren. Here's what I want. That's that's my plan. That's fantastic. I just want to be a weird old man <laughs> one day. That's the dream. That's what everyone's living for. Yeah, I've decided I want to start being weirder. I've got mm. too I got too normal. I became a mother and that just makes you really normal. Yeah, it puts you on the be. straight and narrow. You need to Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They, they're gonna yeah. have to put up with it i'm gonna have to get weirder so thanks get for weirder. that I, I'm, I'm absolutely rubbish at magic so i don't think i can follow that one but yeah I'm, I've, I've never done a magic trick in my life but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna one day I'm going to be watching the tv screens for when you come on on your show yeah i'm the next you... dynamo <laughs> If you don't do magic, I'll be emailing you going, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you still haven't researched your grandmother and you can't do a magic trick. Get a grip. So were women tougher during the wars and after, or was it just circumstance that forms character? Though, to be honest, my circumstances just induced a high degree of anxiety. Ask any Gen Xer. Don't worry, it might never happen. And we're up all night. What? What might never happen? Nuclear war again? But is it so different now? I mean, we've got food banks and we're having to rely on footballers to get children fed. But then younger women today are incredible. They've got so much agency and they're not afraid to speak out. My nan's life was gritty. I mean, it wasn't that bad. She did get a toilet inside the house by the age of 50. But she didn't have agency. She didn't have a platform. She was a rebellious kid, given no education. She learned a trade, but there wasn't much else she could do. She wasn't going to be Picasso or the Prime Minister. So what she did do, she made the best of her life. And that's what we can be proud of. So if your gran didn't do much but bake cakes and sit in the corner, maybe have a think about what put her there. So to paraphrase Patrick Swayze, nobody puts granny in the corner. I hope you've really enjoyed this episode of Stand By Your Nam with me, Rachel Sandbrooks, and thank you so much to my brilliant guest, Sarah Keyworth. Stand By Your Nan has been written and performed by Rachel Sandbrooks, co-produced with Steve Keyworth and with music by Lewis Barfoot. It's a Gertie Words production funded by Arts Council England. credit
said me nay Such customers yours I could get every day And it's no 